to the Wake Up and Live show. I am your host, mindologist Chantel Simone, and it is such an awesome pleasure to have you here today. If it's the very first time that you are joining the show, welcome. We stand for three key things here at the Wake Up and Live show. Purpose, mind mastery, and truth. So expect to be shifted. Expect the unexpected. Expect to hear that thing that you need to hear right now at this very moment in order to shift your thinking to the next level. We are very happy to introduce season three of the show where we are now offering a seat at the table for you. This season is completely dedicated to your voice, to, your, to what matters to you, to hearing your perspective. Because after all, life is all about perspectives. So it is absolutely a pleasure to be here and to have many great guests join us in order to share what they have to say on the current events that's happening in our society. So to help me, let's start with welcoming my wonderful co-host for this season, Mr. Lester Bailey. Well, hello. Lester, welcome to the show. I'm sorry. Hello, everyone. How are you? And thank you, Chantel, for introducing me. This is another wonderful day. Happy Tuesday, everyone. What has been on your mind during this coronavirus COVID-19 time? What excites you and what is your perspective? What are the things that you would like to talk about? We're here to hear your voice because everyone has a voice. And it's so important to be able to hear everybody's voice. So let's live our lives on purpose and shout out to the top. What is on our mind? Absolutely, absolutely. And if, if again, take a moment right now to click that share button and share it with the share the broadcast with someone. You just never know who you're going to bless by what we're going to have to share today. Now, the other thing I want to do is introduce to you today's topic. Now, today's topic is quite interesting. We've talked about the variety of effects that the current affairs have had on our lives. We talked about coronavirus. We've talked about the Black Lives Matter movement and as well as reintegrating businesses in our society. We talked about what it feels like with us personally. We talked about what it feels like being outside of, of and all different races. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the impact on children. You know, we often say there's a famous parable that says with children, things are caught, not taught. So it doesn't matter what we tell our children, that we what we say to them, how much we want to in, impress upon their minds the things that they believe. They actually pick up more on what we do. So what does it look like with this current society and the effects of it? What are we subconsciously teaching our children? So to help us today unpack this topic, along with some other empowering perspective of current affairs, we have a very special guest, Ms. Vanessa Taylor. I'm very excited to hear her empowering perspective. So help me welcome Ms. Vanessa Taylor to the show. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you, Chantel. Thank you, Lester. I'm delighted to be here. It's exciting. Um, let's get with it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, big, big welcome. Now it's 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 such an empowering uh, empowering thing to be able to connect with great people with great minds and and we're doing it here again today with you on the show. So why don't you start off by sharing three key things about yourself? Well, three key things about myself. I am a go-getter. 
I am a person who sticks to the purpose. I try to see it through to the end. And I am one who does not let failure dictate to me what my successes will be. I learned from that. Oh, very, very powerful. You know, that is, uh, that is key. And, you know, just off the bat, as you say that, what the first thing that came to me is, do you believe what's happening in society? Do you deem it as a failure or do you deem it as a possibility for success? I would deem it as a possibility for success. Uh, I think about when I came up in my household, we weren't raised based on color. You know, it's kind of something you're you're taught pretty much in the streets. Um, you become aware of the differences in the ethnicities. Um, mm -hmm. But I try not to, coming up, I didn't judge people based on the color of their skin because that's what our family taught us, you know, that everybody is God's child. So, you know, everybody should be the same. So um, not until I experienced it one day, I had braids in my hair. And I was downtown Chicago, custom from Chicago. Mm -hmm. And a a young white girl was walking by with some of her friends, and I was downtown, and with me having the braids. So she looks back and says to me, "Oh, you're just trying to be like us." And I thought about it because it was the hair, the long braids, and they were, you know, stringy. And I'm like, I can't say what I said back then. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't appreciate the comment because definitely I'm not trying to be like you. My skin might be a little closer to yours, but trust me, I'm really black. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We we all have a difference. You know, that's actually one of the reasons why I turned and I went locks. I got locks because at one point when we, you know, a lot of us growing up, we often put chemicals in our hair or, or straighteners or perms or what have you. And, you know, there's a beautiful natural hair movement going on, which we love. Yeah. And, um, and I, that was one day I was like, you know what? I'm not going to try to be or have hair that's not the way it's intended and it's not the way it grows from my head. So I'm going to make it with what I got because no, we're not trying to be like anyone else. We're being the best versions of us. So I love that. Exactly. exactly. I absolutely love that. So today we're going to talk about, and, and, and I know this is near and dear to both Lester and my heart because uh, a lot of the times, you know, Lester talks about his wonderful grandchildren and, you know, we talk about the, what it's like with, oh, he has such a beautiful grandson, Grant. Oh my goodness, Lester, <laughs> you are one lucky man. <laughs> and I remember uh, some of the conversations we had, Lester, you were talking about what Grant's future is going to be like growing up. Mm-hmm. So this is the reason why we are deep diving into children. So what is what is your perspective? And I'll ask you both. What is your thoughts on the current affairs as we're wrapping up this season? We've unpacked many different angles of these current affairs, but we never talked about children. So what do you think the impacts of these type of current affairs, coronavirus, Black Lives Matters has on our children? Let's, let's start with Vanessa, because <laughs> I saw Lester pass it off. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lester. Um, well, with COVID-19 and kids, like I have two grandboys, and right now they're living in uh, Washington State. And so when the pandemic hit, uh, my grandson, the youngest one, would all, always say, well, Grandma, do you have your mask? He says, because I don't want you to get the COVID. 
So he's aware of that it's something that can harm your body. And then the other one's 13. So he pretty much knows, you know, and then um, with them being out of school was rather taxing, um, not being able to uh, have the sufficient things that they needed for school too, because I thought that they would have been a little bit more equipped, but they weren't. Um, as far as teachers having homework and, and, and their day-to-day -day schedules together. So it's, it's affected all of us because I'm in education as well. So I've been mm -hmm. at home teleworking since March and you kind of get a little bit used to being in the house working. Mm -hmm. And so my principal called, he said, Hey, we're going back for two weeks. And I got an attitude. <laughs> I was like, I got to leave my house. I got to put on some clothes. So, um, my, my, right, how dare you? My, my outfit is t shirt and leggings. So, that means I got to really find something to wear. So, it has been very impactful on everybody. I think it's been stressful for some who don't have a lot of friends. Um, even for, I have a lot of older friends too that are elderly, and just being able to get out and go to the doctor's appointments that they, a lot of them were canceled. Um, I knew a few people who had cancer who could not get their treatments right away. And so it was kind of mind blowing and something we definitely didn't expect to happen because everybody's going about their life, la di da. And then, Lord behold, you know, he sends something to the earth and we can't deal with it because we haven't dealt with anything like that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lester, what are your thoughts? Today's time has brought on something brand new that we were not prepared for. And we understand that, but it's funny how we have to prepare for what's not been prepared for, and we got to do it quickly. But what are the minds of the children? What are they saying? Because they've never experienced anything, but they don't know what to look like in life. Because we're talking about somebody from zero to, we'll say, to their preteen. And mm -hmm. everything's this new experience. How do we explain to children that, the adults don't have an idea what to do. We look at our kids and say, you know what? You can't answer this question that I'm going to ask you about. Are people healthy? Are they sick? Are they going to live? Are they going to die? And that impacts a child's way of thinking because they're getting their clues from us. Yeah. So what is it that we can start teaching our children immediately? Whereas my grandson is, you know, five years old and he is learning about life. He's asking more and more questions. And I know asking these questions are important. So let's, as we, you know, keep unpacking this and Vanessa, because you've been in the schools, how did, how did the classroom look during this time when you all had to start explaining this to children? Well, it kind of came very fast. Um, uh, what happened was we would hear about it in the media and because it wasn't immediately impacting any of us, I don't think we took it as seriously. You know, we were hearing about it. So um, the uh, county office would send um, mail uh, letters for us to send home to the parents. And I work in an international school. So we have uh, several, many, many different languages in my school. So we have to send it in each language. And so um, pretty much they would send a letter. Some of them, you know, we had to send home in English because we didn't have their language. So technically they're not getting the information. They're getting it, but they're not getting the information because they can't read it. 
And mm-hmm. I don't think it became very serious until like when they told us that they were going to shut the schools down. Um, mm-hmm. We're still sending the letters home and um, that was pretty much it. Not a whole lot of information, just that schools are closing for the governor. And so now we are in this rush to make sure that teachers have homework for the kids. A lot of them did not have computers to be able to access uh, the internet. A lot of them couldn't afford it because they're immigrants. Um, uh, it's just it's just really uh, people are now we're exposed to those people who are really hurting. You know, we have a lot of people people walking. Yeah. And what do you- no, I, I hear you. And I'm, I'm just I'm just as you're talking, I'm just thinking about all the people who had to. It was kind of like real time. Nobody got time to prep for it. Yeah. And it was just like deal with it immediately. And now, of course, June is here. A lot of graduated classes. I've seen, you know, drive bys of graduations and, um, uh, you know, people put things on their lawn and say right. class of 2020. I've seen even celebrities uh, shot out. I think Beyonce did. Queen Latifah did. They shot out everyone who graduated in 2020. Um, some people miss proms and, yes. you know, just things that you really look forward to. So what do you think, before we move to a video that I want to share about um, uh, the, had a, the, the, the situation of Black Lives Matter um, that had on a young boy, but in terms of Corona, while we're still talking about kind of the shutdown of Corona, what's your thought on the coming up semester? You know, September's coming up. It, it seems like schools are still not gonna open. I know we have some educators watching, some assistant directors of schools. Um, so just wanna say hello to everybody watching. Greetings, greetings, KB, Jada, Marlene, Elle. Thank you guys all for watching and your, your thumbs up and comments. Cecil Tina, my sister, love you, love you. So tell us, what is it that you, how, what's your perspective on reintegrating this new school year? Well, um, from just the talk that's in the in the air where I work, um, they're they're trying to present a hybrid model, um, giving uh, parents op- two options to bring children back to school, and mm-hmm. one option is having them come every other week, and then the other option is to have them come three every other day, and then teachers would have Fridays for uh, staff meetings, staff development, per se. And they're asking parents and staff to do the survey. So I did do the survey. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that kids coming every other week would be a great idea. Um, Mm -hmm. It's too much leeway for kids not to keep up with what they're doing. Um, They they didn't give us very many other options. So I would think that the every other day might be feasible, but you know, it depends on the parents. I know we got people who have to go to go to work. I'm an empty nester now, so that doesn't affect me, but it does affect those who need childcare. So yeah. um, with the upcoming school year, if the numbers don't go down, I don't see how it's possible. Um, not only, you know, they're like in one county, they're allowing the parents to make the decision about what to do with their child. They're mm-hmm. allowing the the parent to take, they're saying the parent needs to take their their own child's temperature uh, if they're feeling sick, make sure that they stay at home. They're not requiring them to wear a mask. And so, you know, the CDC, the health department is telling us that we need to wear this, but then they're saying, hey, it's not mandatory. And, you know, of course, everybody deserves their rights, but 
and, and just for me, I'm going to wear mine just to, so that I can protect myself. So at this point, they're saying, take your own health into your own hands um, because they're not uh, going to make it mandated that you wear a mask. So you got to be at this life. At this point now, it's called self-preservation to me. I just want to do a quick poll, a quick survey for everybody watching. Um, do you think that children should go back to school in September? Excuse me. Do you think they should stay home in September? Um, doing the hybrid approach, I don't know about, but should they stay home? Is it a safety precaution? If you agree, you can type one or a yes. If you think no, they shouldn't stay home and they should find ways to reintegrate them, then type a two or no. We would love to know your thoughts. And, um, and before we do, before we switch over to speaking a little bit about the Black Lives Matter movement and, and the impact on children, let's just take a poll for us here on the panel. Uh, let's start with Lester. Do you think that kids should stay at home in September? Well, anytime the school year starts and we don't have answers right now, we don't have a cure for what's going on outside. And children are susceptible to everything. They're susceptible to a cold from their parents. What would it happen if you get a whole bunch of kids around? And we do know kids, especially the smaller that they are or younger that they are, they have a tendency to not have the, the best hygiene. So I would not turn around to put children in that type of environment. It does not seem safe for me because they don't have answers. You know, when you're looking at the government who is supposed to be leading us and they said, okay, stop, you know, get the kids out right now. And now you're at the height in some cities or some states, you're at the height of this virus with still no answers. No, don't send my children back to school this early. I know it's hard on most parents because it's hard staying home. You know, <laughs> I would love to say this. A lot of parents are meeting their children for the first time. And I love when I was listening to a comedian, he got on and he apologized to all of his teachers from kindergarten all the way through high school. He says, I've learned how to deal with my child. And <laughs> I see that this is difficult. Could you imagine having a classroom of as, as small as 15 kids who don't want to do, who don't want to wear masks? 15 kids who naturally have regular colds, regular viruses. And now you're telling them to take their chance in life and to take this thing back home to parents. No, I don't feel that that's, that's right. I cannot agree with that at all. Awesome, awesome. Vanessa, what's your thoughts? Should kids stay home in September? Um, I'm kind of in between because I am an educator and, uh, and, and also a mom, grandma. So, um, I wouldn't want my children susceptible to it uh, because like Lester said, everybody's hygiene is not the same. And, you know, not only will we, the children, what about the teachers? You know, a lot of, a lot of teachers, even though you always going to have the, the younger teachers teaching, but you have a lot of old talent in the school too. And they're more, they're more susceptible to a lot of this stuff that's going on. So if the teachers are ill, they can't teach. And, and so you bring it in a substitute, which is not really uh, stability for the classroom. You know, you stick a sub in there and they don't really know 
how the class was going or what the, the momentum of the teacher was in the classroom. So I'm kind of in between. But then I know that there are some children who need to be in front of the teacher and um, because they just need that extra help. And and then it, it's expensive. You know, daycare, you're saving the money, but the parent can't make the money if they're not at work. So right. I don't know, you know, it's, it's kind of catch 22. I don't know which way to go with that, but I personally would not want my own children in school subjected to it. But I know yeah. my daughter's military, so I know that she has to go to work. Right, right. You know, it is, you're right. It's, it is a catch 22. I just want to chime in here with some of the uh, comments. It actually seems here that our, our viewers are saying no. So they're, they're typing too, the kids should, should not stay at home. So um, KB, who's out from India, says uh, it's, he's answered based on their current situation. So KB, we don't know what that means. Does that mean India is, uh, what's the state of affairs for, for Corona in, over there? So let us know. And uh, Jada, who's also an educator says, children need the social aspect of interacting with others for their mental health. Sure. We need to educate the children on how to stay safe. This responsibility falls on the school to provide a safe environment. Ah, perspective, perspective. You know, it's a, a great input. It, it's it's true. You know, a lot of you know the a lot of kids they benefit from the social interactions as as young as even two or three. That's why we do preschool. You know, so taking that away could be pretty detrimental. Um, but Jada saying that the onus is on the school to make sure it's safe. So perspective. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, re rebut that a little bit. Um, uh -huh. Yes, the school does teach uh, the hygiene, but learning for children starts at home with their parents. Yes. And um, my, my first teacher is my mom and my dad. And so if I'm if I'm learning at home the proper way to do things, then that will follow me. I'm, I'm a believer that, you know, you train a child up in the way that they should go uh, and hopefully they don't depart from that. So mm -hmm. not all, all of that is not on the school. It is not on the teacher. And a lot of parents are finding that out because now, like Lester said, you're reacquainted with your kid. And if your kid is um, not always having a bad behavior, imagine us having 35 or 40 of those personalities in the classroom. There becomes a debating issue about how we can teach it, how long, how much they absorb. So I need to put some of that responsibility back on the on the parents. The parents. Right, right. I mean, I, I, I totally agree that there's uh, there's a lot of factors to determine. You know, the parents teach at home. A lot of people are homeschooling um, at the same time. You know, how do they get the interaction with, with other kids? So, you know, life is all about perspective. So I would say, you know, just, you know, to, to kind of take it case by case and see what's the best thing for your child. Um, one of the key things I want to do is I want to shift to actually uh, talk a little bit about the impacts of bl the Black Lives Matter movement on all races. It's not just a black thing. It's a people thing. I say there's one race and it's the human race. And so um, yet we are all fighting against prejudice is what I believe it, it is. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. And I want to see if I can pull up this video um, before. I know you have a great... 
um, perspective to share on this as well, Vanessa. So let's see if we can pull up this video. You may have heard this in the news before. You may have seen the song before. This is a young boy who actually, uh, this was his response to the Black Lives Matter movement as well, as well as with George Floyd. Let's take a look. The death of George Floyd has taken many forms in the week that's followed, but one powerful, beautiful, yet heartbreaking performance has grabbed a lot of attention. I'm a young black man doing all that I can to stay all the way I look around and I see what's being done to my kind. Don't forget that name. This is 12-year-old gospel singer Kedron Bryant. That song, by the way, written by his mom, Jeanette, it's been viewed nearly 3 million times on his Insta page. It's been reposted by... Well, just President Obama, LeBron James, so many others. Kedron and Janetta are joining us this morning. Good morning, you guys. Good morning. Okay, first of all, we need you today. We need you every day, but we especially need you today. Kedron, I want to talk to you in a second. But first, Miss Janetta, you wrote this song. It came from deep in your soul. What made you put those words on paper? It might have everything that is going on. Um, Especially our recent situation, when I heard Mr. Floyd call out for his mom, as a black mother, that really hit me in a deep way. And I began to pray. Uh, and so I, I say, God, this world needs help like never before. Uh, so I went into meditation. Because I needed understanding, I needed, I needed strength. Because I also knew that I need to be able to give my son some wisdom that's going to help him to be able to live and to um, be confident in this world. It can only come from God. Because um, I understand that we're in the spiritual, this fight is spiritual as well. And so uh, I went into prayer, and God spoke to me, and He gave these words to me. And we'll pause right there. So it's uh, it's quite interesting that you know even you know that like like the reporter said that it got spread all over the internet. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, celebrities reposted it, and this was such a genuine genuine response. And seeing a young black boy seeing that, and we've seen cartoons where people would say, you know, what do you want to be with you when you grow up? And it was a young black boy. And their response was alive. <laughs> you know, like things like this, it's so real for our children where they're not only just now aspiring to be a police officer or, or a chef or, or a dancer or, or, or what have you, or a doctor or a lawyer, they're just striving to be alive and to be accepted. Vanessa, what's your experience with children and um, this whole Black Lives Matter movement and expectations on our young boys? Well, um, it makes me reflect, even though I don't have any sons, but I do have grand grandsons. And as they grow up, 
you know, you're a little bit fearful, not so much for the girls because they don't typically pull the, the young black girls over, not typically, but if they see a young black man, um, don't be driving a nice car, you know, uh, they're gonna pull <laughs> over. Uh, you can't be dressed nice, you know, you can't look like you came from something and, you know, then they're gonna harass you, unfortunately to say so. And um, mm. maybe think about something, you know, that I mentioned to you earlier, just my, my grandson, he keeps a journal and he says some things in the journal and a, a very prominent white man, you know, stated, well, where did, where did his vocabulary come from? He couldn't have written that. And to me, that was quite insulting because his mom is articulate. He speaks very well, just like his mom does. And that's what he is surrounded by. So why would you not think that he could speak intelligently or put sentences in um, He's 13 years old. Why would he not be able to know what a, the definition of the word impregnated meant? So I, I didn't get why he made that statement, but it's very indicative of what's going on. You know, uh, I don't know what he has envisioned uh, our young black boys uh, of being unintelligent or uh, maybe they just because they don't have a father in the home or, you know, just a lot of stereotypes. You know, I want to I want to dive in right here because not only for for the children, but I think just from a race perspective in general or from a prejudice perspective in general, I even myself, I've gone through it and I've heard many stories of when, you know, when somebody just here's an FYI to those watching. Uh, when somebody says to you, oh, well, um, like, let's say you're in a boardroom and you it's your turn to ask a question or to articulate a, a thought and you articulate it well, you might be one of the only, you know, you might be in a room full of people that don't look like you. And when somebody pulls you aside and says, wow, you're so articulate, you really ask that question really well. You see. <laughs> These are the times we sit back and we laugh because while some people may genuinely think you're giving them a compliment, but it's like, why wouldn't I be able to ask a question? Like, what? Where's the ex? Where's the unconscious expectation here? If you have to come to me because I can put two words together and form a sentence and ask a question or share my comments, you feel like you have to praise me for that. What did you think? Has that ever happened to you guys at all? You mean, how often has that happened to us? You know, there always the, the funny thing about it, people's expectations of people of color. It does not matter, be it if it's black, Latino, West Indies, wherever that that person comes from, they believe that people of color don't take education seriously. And that when we speak articulately, when we can form words and form thoughts, somebody's like, wow, why would you expect something different? If I hear someone of another race that is not of color, should I expect them to be totally intelligent or should I find people in our current leadership who doesn't have vocabulary at all and to be the leader of the United States? And you wonder who is more educated? Why would they think just because I went to college then they didn't expect me to go. What did they expect me not to get a master's degree because hmm, you were black? It's like, no, I go to the same schools that you go 
But why would you expect me to, using you know my current leader's words, me not to be so smart? <laughs> right. Right. I never quite and, and I think I saw I saw a post the other day for the record that um, Michelle Obama was the most educated first lady of the United States of America, and she just happened to be a black woman. So <laughs> there are, you know, so I guess it's like uh, either up your standards for black folks. Like, what's the key message we want to share? <laughs> that you know, even to, Vanessa, your little your 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 the example that you you gave. You know, why wouldn't those expectations that just dictates what they um, or what how people are actually viewing us in the first place? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it, it, not only that, you know, he's a, you're assuming he doesn't come from a family that's educated. His grandmother and mom has drilled education out of the room. So, you know, you, you teach, like my youngest. I've been telling her, you want to be a doctor, you know, which I started telling her at two and three, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a doctor. And as she's growing up, now she wants to be a doctor and she's on that path. But it's yes. always what you instill in them. Make them yeah. believe they can do it. Right. Yes. And you know what? I, what came to me again is there is, uh, I want to just encourage um, all folks, obviously, education is an important thing. Um, I, I'm a total believer in education. I'm a believer in a, a different type of education. That's another conversation. Right. But, you know, there's also a disparity in, um, even if we're talking about the Black, Black Lives Movement, there's also a bit of a disparity between education for females and for males. So, you know, there is, a, so I would encourage you know, black females have really taken the reins, I feel like, for the community. And I feel that it's not just for us, it's it's almost for for our, our our community in general, because we have been disadvantaged to not have access to certain things, but now we're 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 fighting through. So I don't know why this came upon me, but for those who are watching, whether you're in and out of the, the black community or not. Um, you know, being educated is 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 obviously important and, and opens up a lot of doors. And and for those black men specifically that are watching, I would just encourage you to keep moving, to keep pushing, to keep fighting. Um, you matter, and education is important. You know, education is very important. It will open doors and and open you to worlds that we would never, we can only dream of. So keep pushing black folks, <laughs> black men specifically, black boys. Cause I find that, I don't know about you guys, but do you find that a lot of, um, when you ask a young boy what they wanna be when they grow up, they would talk about the LeBron James, I wanna be a basketball player. Mm -hmm. Or they talk about, you know, maybe a football player. You know, oftentimes they only, that's what we see success in the in some of the black community. That's what it represents. So. Um, do you guys find the same thing? And what can we do to, to change that stigma? Real easy answer for that is that see people who are like me. Because so many people actually only see the athlete because they're looking at a dollar. How much money can someone make? And you'll hear about these salaries <clears throat> or the 20, 30, all the way up to, you know, a million and a, excuse me, 100 plus million dollars and that's like wow and i want you to always dream big no matter what you can't 
you know, start living your life and looking at a poverty level because our experiences told us that we have the right to become rich. But that's not what we see because how do they show black men? How do they show how he speaks, how he talks? It used to be television would show you the, the person that had the least amount of education and they would show you that person on there and, and showing you that they can't talk, they can't have a conversation, they're not intelligent. And they showed that over and over again. Now when you see a black man or a, a man of color and he can actually hold a conversation, someone's attention, now you're starting to get children who can do it. It became important to me because we got into this Black Lives Matter. We got into the um, the women's thing that um, the Me Too movement. We get into all of these things, but they are still trying to remove black men from families, trying to show them that you can't succeed unless you are an athlete. And success is hard because how many of them want to be an accountant or be a computer tech or actually computer analyst? How many of them want to get a job up outside of the normal policeman, fireman, judge, lawyer? There are so many types of education, but they're not being exposed to it because mass media doesn't want to expose us to what the troops are. We're in every education in every part of the world, and yet we're not exposed because certain groups of people don't want to see us as being intelligent. Mm -hmm. Very true. Very true. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Vanessa? It kind of made me think about, you know, about when he says certain groups don't like to see us be intelligent. I thought about um, the situation where you got very wealthy people who, you know, affluent and they're paying for seats for, our, for their kids to go to college. Why is that? Aren't they intelligent enough just based on the color of their skin to get in? So they use their, uh, their, influence of money that green dollar to to get their children where they wanted them to be just based on the fact of who they were so even though traditional college is not for everybody but you know we have to go back to, to the basics sometime of teaching our kids trades um trades still get jobs they still build businesses and and people still make a lot of wealth off of a trade so um it has to be, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but we, we're living in a world where this has been going on for 400 years, way long before any of us were even thought about. But yeah. um, I think that maybe the generation now it could possibly has gotten this ball rolling and it's really going to be up to them to kind of carry it on more, you know, in your age group uh, and so and younger. So um, we're getting old. So hopefully we'll see, you know, it evolve into equality for, for all of us. You know what? I love that you said that. And it, it actually poses a, another question um, that I would love for viewers as you're watching to chime in and, and let's do another poll. Are children going to change pre prejudice in the future? Is that what's going to happen? Because, you know, you say, you know, prejudice has been happening for, for centuries now and, and it's been impacting us greatly. So we are not one to talk about a problem without at least attempting to address the solution. 
So would we say the solution be the children? Are children the answer to this? So what do you guys think? So for those of you who are watching, do you believe that children are going to change prejudice in the future where we can almost realize the dream of Martin Luther King, where we're not judged by the color of our skin, but the character, the content of our character. Is this going to be the children now, right now, as they start to grow up, are they going to be able to change that where we can all be one? If you agree, put yes or type one in the chat. If you disagree, then type two or no in the chat. So let us know. Um, in the meantime, while that's coming in, what are your thoughts on that, Vanessa? Do you believe that children, it reminds me of Whitney, I just hear, I believe the children are our future. I just hear that song right now. <laughs> well, yeah, the children are our future. But if we think back to when uh, Lester and I were coming up, you know, it was still the same thing. The children were the future. And I think that as generations evolve, you know, a little bit of something changes. Um, but with like, you know, I've always made the comment, yes, I made my skin may be light. And, you know, friends back in the day say, well, you know, you probably would have been in the house. But my mindset, you know, it's all in the mindset was that of a black woman, though. So I probably wouldn't have survived because I was mouthy. And so um, I think that children today, just based on the things that they're seeing happening and just uh, the, the, the just even the movies that that we've shown them about slavery and uh, how our parents and grandparents were treated and the more exposure to that I think has triggered something and so you know just murdering us in public yes that may have been okay back then and, and they got away with that but this is a different day kids are different nowadays they don't think like we did so uh, they're they're like my mom always said you're gonna have that girl and she's gonna be just like you but to the 10th power so the kids that we have now are to the 10th power so now you're seeing more of yeah. them not hey we're not dealing with that that's right that's right i love that i just want to chime in um on some comments that came back so we are seeing that uh, number one people are hopeful that children are the future which is awesome that's great um and like you said to the power of 10 a lot has changed a child growing up now is different from a child growing up 50 years ago and what they're exposed to so it's it's we, it might be a bit by bit but it seems as if that we are making some progress uh, Maria says, children are a future. They are pure. That's so true. The problem is the teaching of the schools now. This law approved for teaching of LG, LGBT history. No Bible, no studies of truth. Ooh, you bring a very good point. Um, uh, that's why, you know what, earlier, Maria, I was talking about, I believe in education, but the right education. I said, that's a whole nother conversation. This is part of it. This is absolutely part of it. So, you know, being educated and raising up our children is, is, is key. That just, you know, on that note, I want to show, and I hope that you guys can hear this properly. Um, it ties in perfectly when, we, when it comes to education, educating our children. It's really, and it kind of ties into what you were saying earlier, Vanessa, that it, it starts with the home. You know, it starts with what's going on inside. If you grow up with a KKK uh, grandfather, you know, your education is going to look a little different than ones who didn't, right? So it does start at home. So it's parents, it's up to us and our responsibility to do so. 
But let's take a look at this video. Um, you may have seen this has gone viral. I'm going to make it bigger. Um, and this is actually quite uh, supports what we've been sharing about children. So let's make it bigger and let's take a look. Loading, let's do it. Oh, it's internet's always great when it works. <laughs> yes. Just just for the to to it was the video is it starting to play? I'll just share. Yeah, the generators on the screen at least, right? So what the the father called this little boy, and obviously it's a, a white or a Caucasian, however you like to say a uh, little boy that came on and he said, well, what do you notice about these pictures? And the little, and each picture on the screen was a contrast of a, of a black boy and a white boy or a black girl and a white girl. Um, they were playing together, doing things together. And he, the father kept probing. What do you notice about that? Is there any difference between them? And the son was like scratching his head. He like, well, I don't know. Well, that, oh, that one. He's like, oh, what did you know about that one? He said, oh, well, th that one has large grass. So he started to point out everything else other than the fact that there was a black boy and a white boy playing together. So literally that is the example of, he didn't even see the color. He's like, well, they're two boys. Um, and he's like, what are they doing? Well, they're playing. You know, so so that just goes to show, you know, it all starts at home and he has the lens. You know, we're talking about perspective. He has the lens of those are two human beings. There's no difference between them. And I think that's a beautiful sight. That video also went viral on Instagram. Um, if you're interested, I can send the link. You guys can take a look at it. So so it all it all does start from home. And I believe that there is hope. You know, it's I would say that there is hope for the future. Um, any final words that you want to share in regards to what's going on right now and the impact on children, Vanessa? Well, I just say that we have to stay prayerful. I, you know, I come from a spiritual background, and um, you know, nothing happens unless God's allowed, unless God allows it. So, I think mm -hmm. that we just have to keep uh, pressing forward, um, staying prayerful, and um, you know taking the reins too and showing even though we may not be out there marking but there's something that that we can do you know in the background to uh to help facilitate this even if it's just sitting out there at a table trying to get people to register to vote your your vote is very important and um mm -hmm. and our children need to know how important that is um to have that right people died so that we could have it so um I would just say, stay diligent in that. And, and if you can't march or you can't speak publicly, there is definitely work done in the background. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is so true. That is so true. That's very valuable. I wanted to just, before we um, wrap up the show though, I do want to just loop back. I saw some comments back on, um, uh, I think the hot topic today was whether children should go back to school or not. We have the, the comments continue. So let's engage, shall we? <clears throat> So um, there was KB, he said that they shouldn't based on what's going on in India. And then he went on to reply that it's there's still rapid um, growing cases in India. So he wants he's erring on the side of being cautious. Um, Jada said, uh, let's let me clarify um, the responsibility of the school is to provide a safe environment, meaning the hand sanitizers, the desk dividers, frequent cleaning schedules, etc. And of course, she agrees that parents and caregivers are children's first teachers. It's just that uh, the school also has the responsibility to continue that as well. So that's kind of the perspective as well. Right. Um, oh, and then final note here, um, KB says schools is a society where children meet or mingle each other and develop themselves in many ways. But right now, adults or parents should create such an environment that doesn't stop the potential and their curiosity. That's right. Yeah. So maybe have a few people come over, have have a social hour for kids at home, a safe social hour. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anything you want to do, it can be done. It can be done. You just got to want to. And make I it. I love it. I love it. Well, you know what, Vanessa? It was such a treat having you here today. Uh, I definitely love your background as educator. I didn't know, and and you offered such a great value. And I'm sure there's people watching right now that are thinking like, what's going to happen with my child in September, and how how they should feel about this. So your perspective was really empowering. And thank you, Jada and KB for sharing your perspectives as well. You know, I I'm, I know there's a lot of people that agree with that. So I appreciate your time and your 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 insights. It was great having you on the show today. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Awesome. We got to do it again. There's so we're wrapping up season three, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this week for the Wake Up and Live show. But uh, we will be launching season four soon. And you know, each season we bring something different. We bring something new. So I'd definitely love to have you back on the show as we incorporate some new fun stuff in the future. My pleasure. Awesome, awesome. Lester, my co-host with the most is. Any final <laughs> thoughts as we wrap up today's show? Final thoughts is the power of change with inside of you. Teach your children early. Teach them in the way that you want to see the world as it evolves. Because the more often we teach our children, the, the better off they will be. We got to this point because of the learning that we have. Let's see what we can do with our children. To that. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Well, as we just wrap up the show today, I just want to thank you guys for joining today. It has been such an honor and a blessing having you. Thank you for everyone who participated, the likes, the loves, the shares, the comments. It all matters. And as we're wrapping up this season in today's episode, we really deep dove into the impact of children. So if you have children, if you have access to children, if you have great grandchildren, if you have neighbors that, are, that have children, just know that you can do your part by raising them up in the right way. You know, we can't lean to education. We can't lean to, to teachers. We can't put the responsibility on anyone but ourselves. You know, there was an old saying that it takes a village to raise a child. And I believe that's still true today. 
So I encourage each and every one of you watching to not only click this the like button and follow the show if you haven't already, click that share button, but also see what you can do to impact a child's life today because it matters and it sets, it actually shapes our future. Thank you guys so much for watching the Wake Up and Live show. It's been awesome having you. We will see you tomorrow at the same time, our new time at 6.30 Pacific Eastern time, uh, Pacific time and 9.30 Eastern time for another episode of the Wake Up and Live show. Always remember you got one life, make it count and navigate on purpose. We'll see you tomorrow.